Hi, Milton. So good to be with you again. My topic is our heart for the city. So week four in our series on the book of Jonah. I, I'm very excited to, to be speaking to you because God has put Jonah and Nineveh on my heart for quite a while now. And I believe that God wants to do a kind of Nineveh type of work in the city of Cape Town. Now, chapter four um, is interesting because it's actually a post-revival event. Um, the city has been saved, Jonah preached, and what's happened now is he is furious with God. There's a clash between him and God. Um, he seriously hoped uh, that the people would reject the gospel. Uh, and what he really wanted was for them to rebel and then for judgment to come and all of them to go to hell. Now, surely that's got to be one of the weirdest stories um, in the Bible because most pastors, if they saved the city, they would kind of feel they died and gone to heaven. The salvation story um, of the pagan city of Nineveh giving their lives to God is actually a benchmark that God uses to judge all unbelief and refusal to repent. Jesus actually made it clear. And I'm going to read to you from Matthew 12, just verse 42. The people of Nineveh will stand against this generation on judgment day and condemn it, for they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. Now someone greater than Jonah is here, but you refuse to repent. The best way to understand the value of chapter 4 is to see it as a clash of hearts. Uh, it was more than just a difference in perspective or worldview or mindset. Uh, it's actually two hearts that are clashing. And it's very important for us to remember that, that our decisions and our attitudes flow from the heart more than anything else. And I want to quote this, which says, The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. A well-known uh, high jump coach was trying to get one of his athletes uh, to go over the bar, and he put it this way, throw your heart over the bar and your body will follow. And uh, so, so my encouragement when it comes to reaching cities is to throw our heart over the bar. The simple truth, though, is that when my heart beats at one with God's heart, then whatever God wills will become my will. So it's all about two hearts that beat as one. Can you think about it? That God, above all else, wants my heart to beat at one, to be in rhythm with His heart. And that's when God does amazing things. And a very good example was God's call uh, of David uh, to be king and, of course, his success. So I'll read Acts 15.22. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. So here we see that God had great plans for Jonah, but his heart wasn't the same as God's. Um, think about David. He was a man who made many mistakes, but intuitively he understood God's heart. And so there were many occasions when uh, David obeyed God, even though he didn't understand the instructions, and he was prepared to take the risk 
because he understood God's heart. So today I want to narrow down uh, the issue of God's heart to God's heart for cities. Okay. And um, we are going to uh, unpack God's heart by contrasting uh, the heart of, of um, Jonah and God in this clash that we see in chapter 4. So I just want to mention this um, because we're going to be looking at Scripture. There are always three questions we ask when meditating about God's Word. What does it tell me about God? First question. Secondly, what does it tell me about mankind? It could be Israel, the church. It could be individuals. And then thirdly, what does God want me to do right now? How does He want me to respond now to the revelation from God's Word? So, before we do that, we're going to start just briefly by looking at Nineveh, the city, because this was the cause uh, of this clash between God and Jonah. So, Nineveh is a very accurate representative of um, the modern cities of the time. Uh, Nineveh was uh, one of the capital cities of Babylon, which was the ruler of the world. It was, in fact, the second largest city with 120,000 inhabitants. And it, uh, it was known for its style. It was modern. Um, it was also, like most cosmopolitan cities, it was edgy, it was decadent, and it was immoral. But one important thing to know is that Nineveh was influential uh, in both the region and the rest of the world. And this is true of all major cities. Um, you can think about New York, London, Singapore, Dubai, Paris. Um, they all have an influence that goes way beyond the boundary of the city. In South Africa, you can think of Johannesburg and Cape Town. I think anything that's important or valuable takes place in those two cities. So for those of us living in Cape Town, we understand the importance of the way we as a city influence the country. Okay, you see, cities will attract a con constant influx of, um, of settlers, of tourists, of business people. And one thing's for sure, that a powerful city will change the hearts of the people who come into the city to beat in touch with that city. You think about Johannesburg, you move up there, it's a rat race. Before you know where you are, you're driving around at high speed uh, and overworking. So um, I'm just telling you this because I believe that there was a very important reason that God wanted to save Nineveh, not just for the people, but because of its influence in the surrounding world. So having a look at Nineveh, um, it was quite unusual because you've got to understand that every city um, has a soul and a spiritual heartbeat. Um, I don't know if you ever think about that. When we think of visiting a city, <clears throat> we normally think of its beaches, its natural beauty, its architecture, etc. Um, but God always wants to know what is the soul of the city. Uh, we know the Cape Town is one of the most beautiful cities in the world. But what does God think about our soul? What's the soul? What's the, what's the spiritual character of, of Cape Town? But Nineveh was known to radiate pure evil. 
The soul of the city was, was um, hard. It was uncaring. Um, it represented everything that any Jewish person uh, would have hated about the Gentile world at the time. Um, the city was known for the most incredible atrocities, uh, brutality, uh, cruelty, tyranny. Um, and history actually says that even up till today, um, it has one of the worst records um, for terrorism, if you want to call it. I mean, people would be skinned alive. They would be decapitated. Body parts would be cut off. Um, they used to drill a hole in the chin, put a rope through and lead people around like dogs, make them sleep in kennels. So, guys, Jonah would have understood this. Everybody in the world feared Nineveh. So the question is always, why did God love them? And that's why I love the scripture that says God's love is so high, so wide, so deep, uh, that we could never actually understand it. Amen. I just want to read one scripture, which will give you an indication of how bad things were there. It's Nahum 3, verse 3 to 5. See the flashing swords and glittering spears as the charioteers charge past. There are countless casualties, heaps of bodies, so many bodies that people stumble over them. All this because Nineveh, the beautiful and faithless city, mistress of deadly charms, enticed the nations with her beauty. So, guys, does that give you a background uh, to begin to understand the clash of hearts between Jonah and God? So let's follow. Uh, in the scripture, we're going to first look at Jonah's heart because that's what the scripture begins with. Um, and I'm going to read from Jonah 4 verses 1 to 5. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. That is God's decision uh, to withhold judgment. And he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? This is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Guys, what a difference of heart. Um, let's go on. The Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city, made a shelter to sit under, and he waited to see what would happen to the city. He still wanted judgment. And the Lord arranged for a leafy plant to grow there, and soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But God arranged for a worm, and the next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. He seemed to really have quite a depressed death wish. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Then Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. Okay, Jonah was actually a very good child of God. He was a very faithful servant of God in Israel. 
um, history tells us that he was a senior prophet. Um, so God would have been speaking to him. He would have been speaking wisdom to the people. And, uh, and I can imagine that he was probably a little bit older. Maybe his children had grown up. He was feeling comfortable. If he was a bachelor, then he was a very well-set bachelor. All of a sudden, God takes him out of his comfort zone and calls him to go to the city of Nineveh. He was not ready and he was not willing. And how often does God call us? And we, we knew even from a young person that this was God, this is what God wanted for us. And we're not ready. Um, I'm quite sure that he was called from his mother's womb. Um, uh, there must have been a stirring in his heart as a young man. Um, he probably would have interceded uh, for the lost pagan nations. But as time went by, Jonah became comfortable. The problem was very simple. Without realizing it, Jonah's heart was out of sync with God's heart. Um, and as Nineveh's sin worsened, um, he actually became repulsed uh, and offended. Um, stuff was happening that, that really made him feel sick. Um, maybe even a family member or somebody that he knew uh, had been touched by all this torture. I, I don't really know. Um, I actually think that if social media was there at the time, he would have been raving uh, against the Assyrians. Um, but from the moment Jonah resisted God, life began to suck. The minute he declared that he wasn't going to follow God's will, and we know the story about he ran away to Tarshish, ended up in a storm on a ship, was thrown overboard, uh, stayed inside the, the belly of a whale um, or fish, and when he was thrown up, he agreed uh, to go and complete his mission. Um, but let's be honest, um, he never allowed his heart to get back into rhythm with God's heart. Um, I think he ended up becoming self-absorbed, uh, bitter. And the picture of him sitting outside the city on a hill, waiting for judgment, uh, is really quite sad. And... Um, from the story, it would appear that this clash with God was never resolved. Uh, we don't know if he died. We don't know what happened to him. But one thing's for sure, he was separated from his destiny, never enjoyed the success of his ministry. Guys, I'm, I'm pretty fascinated by Jonah. He knew God so well. How many of us know God well? He said, I knew that if I preached my message, you would be compassionate and the people would return to you and you would release them from judgment. Um, I think that's awesome. That's why he was chosen by God, that he could get up in front of people, he could speak with an anointing and know that something spiritual would happen inside of their hearts. Tragically, his knowledge of God and the faith in the effectiveness of his preaching was never matched by a heart that was after God's heart. Uh, and I think that, that's important for us today. Um, 
God can, can have a destiny. He can place us in a church. He places us in a city. But we can resist God's heart for the city. Now, just understanding God's heart, just very briefly. Um, I'm going to read Jonah 4 from 10 to 11. Then the Lord said, You feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. So for those animal lovers watching, you can cheer. God is concerned about your animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? That's the heart of God, an evil city, um, a debauched city. But God, in his incredible mercy, still felt sorry. So I want to say this, that God has the same approach to cities that he has towards every individual. There is a divine plan. There is a mission. Um, there is judgment, good or bad. There's destiny. Um, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, um, that God's plan is to prosper every city. And I'm going to read to you Jeremiah 29, verse 7. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. I firmly believe from the book of Acts that God places us in cities. And uh, we have a job to work for its, for its uh, welfare. Um, and that's why our ministry and our church reaches different, uh, different areas of our city. Because we're working and praying for the welfare of Cape Town. God has a mission. You think, well, what would God's mission be for city? I believe it's salvation, it's righteousness, it's godly leadership. Um, think about how often God mentions that Jerusalem in the next age uh, will be the center of all godly leadership and Jesus himself will rule from Jerusalem. So I don't know if you ever thought about that, about Cape Town, uh, that God may wish Cape Town to have a mission to bring salvation to the rest of Africa. And, um, uh, and let's be honest, uh, God's word of judgment is there from Genesis to Revelation. Um, we always reap what we sow. And I believe for every city that serves God, uh, God will prosper it. But God has never allowed a decadent city to survive for long. And uh, there's always judgment. So I believe we must pray for Cape Town for that reason. Have you ever thought about it? That if we continue um, in time, I, I don't know when God would bring judgment, but that unless our city comes to Christ, um, there will be judgment. Maybe that's something you've never thought of. Um, and then, of course, God calls men and women to have the same incredible heart and com compassion for cities that he has. We're called. We're called to love our city. We're called to cry for our cities. Then if you ever thought of that. And I want to give you an example of Jesus weeping for Jerusalem. Luke 19, 41 to 42. As he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it's too late, and peace is hidden from your eyes. 
Sadly, it wasn't too long after Jesus' crucifixion that the Roman army reduced uh, Jerusalem and its temple to rubble. So, guys, please, I want you to leave this time together with an understanding that God loves Cape Town and He wants us to be compassionate. He wants us to win it for Christ. God's heart aches for the brokenness that exists in cosmopolitan cities. You know, think of the Ninevites. Um, the city's reputation would have started in the home. Can you imagine a Ninevite family with violence, wife abuse, child abuse, black magic? Um, and think of this continuing for several generations. Um, the brokenness must have been extreme. And so the city then represented the brokenness in families. And uh, there's a song by Darlene Chick. She sings it. It's one of my favorites. Um, and I actually listen to it reasonably regularly where she speaks about you hear the cry of the broken. And God hears the cry of the broken in our city. Um, the question is, do we hear that cry? And are we willing to respond? So, yeah, how, do, how would God want us to respond to this message? Firstly, I believe just in a general way, we need to align our hearts with God's heart in every way. And we know that God's heart is revealed in His Scripture. Um, it's revealed to us as we pray. And I think that's so important because then our will will be in line with God's will. As I've said earlier, we need to ask God to help us to develop the required compassion so that we have a genuine heart for the city. You see, I think this is quite a, it's quite a challenge because cities are so diverse, they're so packed, um, so much stuff is happening that today an individual more or less relates to, to individuals only. Uh, and that's why people can, can leave cities and move around cities and move countries um, because they, they don't have a, um, a concept of a whole city. And so maybe we need to actually pray uh, for God to broaden um, our focus and our interest. Then, guys, sometimes we can be hurt by the city. <laughs> just as uh, Jonah was. Um, we know that we have so much uh, robbery, we have break-ins, um, carjacking, um, abuse. All that is found in the city. And today, many people are either fleeing the center of the cities or avoiding cities altogether. They say with COVID, there's a massive movement outside the city. Um, so I think God wants us to, to overcome our fear if you've had a bad experience, just commit it to God. Um, because if we don't deal with that, um, there will always be anxiety, fear, bitterness, anger, or, or isolation from the city that God wants us to reach. So, throw your heart over the bar, and your body will follow. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to take our hearts, uh, and we're going to say, God, uh, it belongs to you, and we're going to throw it over that bar and say, God, I am willing to commit my life to reaching my city. So in conclusion, God loves Cape Town 
but he knows that it's both beautiful and faithless. I am adamant um, that probably between 2 and 5% of, of every neighborhood and community is serving God only. It's not for me to judge who's going to heaven or not, but really our cities uh, could never be described as God-fearing. And um, so, yeah, God has a plan to avert judgment of our city. And that plan is you and me. It's our church. Uh, it's Milton View Church. And we can't speak for other churches, but we can speak for our own church. And, um, and we can recognize that God has called us to be Jonah to Cape Town. Um, and my prayer is that none of us uh, flees for Tarshish. We don't get on a ship um, because we know that there's going to be a storm and there may be a season of uh, time in, in the, the belly of the fish. Um, and also, uh, we could end up on that hillside um, with a scorching east wind sent from God. And I don't believe that's God's plan. It's not our destiny. It's not our mission. So I'm going to pray for us. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this awesome church. I thank you for their faithfulness to you. I thank you for their support for your church. And God, I pray that you would just do an amazing work in our hearts. Lord, help us to, to take our hearts, to throw them over the bar. Lord, that we would understand that it's actually one heart uh, or two hearts beating as one. God, we, we, we want to hear you and we want to obey you. Lord, for any of us who have been, um, uh, been hurt by the city, Lord, I pray that you would bring healing. So as I come to an end, I want to pray for anyone out there. You say to me, Graham, I'm part of the city, but I don't know Jesus as my personal Savior. Maybe you didn't even know that he died on the cross, that he was fully God. He came down to earth. He was fully man. That, um, that when he died on that cross and his, his blood was shed all over that hilltop, that God the Father looked down and accepted that blood as a payment for your sin. Uh, in one moment, Jesus Christ covered and removed the sins of every generation to follow on condition that we confess our sin and repent. So I'm going to pray a prayer. If you want to pray with me, that would be awesome. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, that you sent your son Jesus to die for me. Jesus, I thank you that you obeyed the Father and shed your blood for me. Please forgive all my sins. And God, I pray that Jesus would come and live inside of me. Please, Jesus, live inside of me through your Holy Spirit so that I may be led by your Spirit and achieve the destiny that you have chosen for me. I ask this in Jesus' name.